It's showtime, y'all. You love him and I love him. Put your hands together. Dolomite is my name. Hey, you know, Auntie, I was thinking about putting out a comedy record. Comedy? You've been a singer, a shake dancer? Ha! It's real hard to break in. I do whatever it takes to get in. I come up with a new character. Dolomite is my name, and fucking up motherfuckers is my game. Oh, he's back. What'd you do to your hair? You look like a pimp. It's all pretend. I just created a character. Dolomite, you a trip. Pull on that. Oh, that's a wig. That's right. Whatever it takes, I'm ready to do it. I got to be totally outrageous. It's filthy. You've got a product here that you can't sell or promote. All my life, people been telling me no. Rudy, sometimes our dreams just don't come true. A man slam a door in my face. I just find another door. I want the world to know I exist. You can write. This ain't funny. And it ain't no brothers in it either. If I get up in that light with my own movie, I could be everywhere all at once. Let's bring Dolomite to the screen. The actors we hire, you're a bit doughier than them. Doughier? Hey, that's Dermot Martin. I'm offering you a role in my new motion picture. You think you could just walk up here and hire me? No. What if we let you direct? In storytelling, it's always best to write what you know. You ain't nothing to talk about my personal life. I deal with the nightlife, club owners and mobsters and lots of pimps and kung fu. Do you know karate? No, but I'm a fast learner. I can learn how to chop me a motherfucker. Action. Dolomite, give it to me. Put your weight on it. Pretending like he could be a sex machine. What planet is this cat on? This thing flops, you're gonna be working for free for the rest of your life. I'm so grateful for what you did for me. Cause I never seen nobody that looks like me up there on that big screen. God damn! Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know. Cut. Was it good as shave? Yeah. yeah, it all sounds good. Yeah. The stupid mixer doesn't just. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Welcome to another <laughs> Downloop Podcast show. I'm uh, I'm Darren Jenkins. And I'm Chris Saunders. And uh, on today's show, which we have, we're we're improvising on some of the stuff here. Because of some technical difficulties, we are doing uh, actually a, a movie I've been looking forward to for a long time when I heard it was announced to be done. My name is Dolomite, starring the great Eddie Murphy. Indeed. This was, this, I mean, we gotta get, I mean, we should just get right into it because this, 
this was, I mean, so first of all, this is the first Netflix show that we've done, a yes. uh, movie, I should say. I'm going to read its um, synopsis here. And um, here, where is it? Okay. The story of performer Rudy Ray Moore, who assumed the role of an iconic pimp named Dolomite during the 1970s, directed by Craig Brewer and written by Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski. Um, the film stars Eddie Murphy as filmmaker Rudy Ray Moore, best known for portraying the character of Dolomite in both his stand-up routine and series of black sportation films starting Dolomite in 1975. I grew up with Dolomite. Like, literally, a lot of this identifies with because besides the Dolomite character that Rudy Ray Moore, Dolomite was kind of like a, he was like the boogeyman. Like, everyone's heard of him, but no one's ever seen him. And um, for him to kind of take that character and be him was, was kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, I only reason I have, I gotta give a shout out to my boy Eve Antonor because when I was growing up in high school, his uh, screen name was Dolomite like 88 or something. Probably 82 because <laughs> he was born. So that's the only reference really I had to this. Oh, I've heard shit over the years, like, you know, and seen like short clips of this. Uh -huh. um, and I decided also to watch the original when I when I watched this one. So uh, okay. got some reference, very interesting. Um, I guess one thing we need to say is I think this is supposed to be a Charlie Murphy project. Yeah, I think so. So RIP yeah. to Charlie Murphy, who I think, um, you know, it, it is... Eddie Murphy is like legend. Yeah, I do think this role might have been better for Charlie. Kind yeah, I think he would have been better. closer to the the person who was actually yeah yeah uh, definitely. Um, um, like Eddie Murphy has a little bit a little bit too much emotion in his face when he's doing this role where, where he has yeah. to have less because uh, yeah. Rudy Ray was not a very great actor. It was funny right before I came here. Um, I just happened to see a post on uh, Facebook. Someone was talking about this movie. Uh, a, a gentleman who I used to go to school with. And um, he didn't like the movie. Or, or I shouldn't say he didn't like the movie. He didn't like his portrayal of Rudy Ray Moore in this movie. And to that point, I liked it. I liked his portrayal, but I do it... I, like, since you've seen the movie... Well, the thing is, like, well, there's, there's, there's two levels here, right? right? So we're portraying Rudy right. as himself, right. and then Rudy as Dolomite. Right. So which, did he like everything, that's, or did he like certain things? That's a good question, because, I mean, there is a, there's definitely, a like, a distinction between the two. Right. We, I mean, we have, outside of his friends and family, we have no reference for how, right. how he really acted. Right. right. So. Yeah, I mean. So if it's Dol the Dolomite character, then uh, that's fine, everyone's Welcome to their opinion. Right. I thought I did a pretty good job with yeah, me too. my character. Um, I'm also going to throw out one more RIP. Right. Because this is, we're talking about a black uh, film. We lost someone yeah. this, uh, this, this week. Yeah, yeah, John yeah. Witherspoon. Yeah. Famous for Friday. Yep. We did a house party last. Yeah, we were talking about him. In there, so yeah, yeah. RIP, he was only 70-something. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, just, you know, real quick to just say, look, he... He was very important to black film. He was just important to film, period, because of his. He's just like guy. He's he was kind of like 
the guy who kind of filled that void when Samuel Jackson moved up the ladder and out of the character character roles. Larry was this dude who you knew if there was a black film coming out, he's going to be in there somehow, somewhere, making everybody laugh. Yeah, I, but very like I, unique, even though you're talking about like Samuel Jackson, but like very unique uh, character and delivery. and uh, Yeah. He'll be missed. Um, you know, rest in peace, Larry. Um, we'll miss you. Speaking of actual people in this movie, we yep. mentioned Eddie Murphy. Uh, this cast is nuts. So um, many people. people. Keegan Michael Key. <laughs> I thought I saw again. I watched the the, the original. Yep. Today. Yep. For reference. Oh, you saw it today? I saw it today. Yeah. I, I watched both today. Wow. Because I watched I watched the Dolomite is my name before. Okay. I watched it again so I could like get solidified in my head and then right. I watched the old one. Right. Um, and I think Keegan Michael Key was perfect for that character the cop. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and then we'll get Michael Epps, Craig Robinson, of course, Wesley Snipes, who I thought was awesome in this Oh my movie. God, he was so good in this movie. <laughs> uh, Devian Joy Randolph, also awesome. Um, and people that you might not recognize their names, but you've seen them all, like Ron Cephas Jones, Barry Shabaka Henley. I, I totally miss T.I. in this movie. You know what? I I missed him the first time. The second time, I'm like, oh, wait, that's T.I. What I the have, hell? I have, I have yet to see him, so I have to watch it again. But we also have Snoop Dogg and Chris Rock. Snoop so Dogg. Absolutely insane. And I haven't named everybody. He, uh, Rudy, his, so Rudy made a number of films. I mean, they all, and this, this film was kind of a, a, a combination of at least two of them which was Dolomite and the Human Tornado. Mm. And so, but just so we understand his influence, Dolomite 75, the Human Tornado in 76, Disco Godfather in 79, P.D. Wheatstraw in 77. This one I haven't seen in a long time, but I have to see this somehow. Shaolin Dolomite, come on! You know what? I was when I was searching Dolomite, that popped up. So yeah, now I have to see it. Legend of Dolomite, Monkey Hustle, Big Money Hustlers, and then Baps, which Baps, yes, because they did a remake of this in the 1990s, which so you should you know give him some props. Well, that was one thing. Towards at the end, the closing credits, they have a bunch of information, and I was like. So this movie definitely qualifies as like cult classic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but he, like, if you say cult, right? It's like someone that usually wasn't successful in the beginning and then became successful. They were, that, that apparently like broke records, ten million dollars. Yeah, at that time. Yeah, seventy-five, ten million dollars. Off of a off of, off of a seventy no uh, eighty thousand eighty thousand dollar budget. Like today, I mean that's and that's like today that's low budget. Yeah, that's that's ultra low. Even then, still. Yeah, um, we'll get into as that. As you mentioned, he made seven more films, and um, we'll talk about his initial you know, performances. But he's like they said, he's known as the Godfather of rap, which I did not know until this movie. Mm-hmm. So, so, hmm, a lot of shit came out of this. A lot of shit came out of this. Um, just as a crazy fact here. Um, the, saint, the sex scene from the movie, mm-hmm. they actually filmed, like, 
literally it was exactly as the film it was filmed like literally the same space the same place where they filmed it. oh really yeah and they, they so here's a basically what they said about it we realized a lot of the fans favorite scenes are from human tornado and we figured rudy ray moore is only going to get a biopic once so we threw in these gumdrops into the scripts so as a tribute to the actual film, people will assume we made that up. Dolomite, my, Dolomite is my name, um, director Craig Brewer says, but we made that room exactly the way it was with the exact same effects. Okay. So, yeah, so as I, said, I watched the original, I was like, I didn't see the scene. So that all makes sense now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, just getting into... The movie mm-hmm. uh, opening scene, like it's just first of all, music. We start out with "Let's Get It On," mm-hmm. which gay. It's like the intro scene. It's not on the track list, which is weird. It's on Tune Find. It is on Tune Find. But yeah, I mean, you see this all the time. With yeah, yeah, yeah. Those soundtracks. Mm. Um, so it just had it just starts playing "Let's Get It On," which it's probably a timely song. I don't know if it's relevant to the, to the film, but it gets me into it. Mm-hmm. And it just starts with him in his record store. The record store has a DJ. He's just trying to pitch his records to the guys, right? Yep. That's going to be like a, a thing that I get back to is like hustling and, and grinding throughout this film. Right. Um, so that kind of set the stage for everything we see later on. Right. Um, and then from there, you know, Snoop Dogg is a DJ in the, in the record store. He's like, nope, man, I play hits. He's like, well, this should have been a hit, man. They were going to push it. And then like, <laughs> James Brown came out and gyrating his life. Gy- like, gyrating. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's why. Yeah, he, um, but then he goes from the store. Then he goes home and changes, gets ready for his like his gig. He's telling some shitty-ass jokes at the club and opening for you know, the singers and mm. stuff. Um, like, just as, as, a, as a musician, as a creative person, like, I'll, of course, all this registered. Like, you know, if you have a... A gig and you're like opening for a nightly event, so, right? You know, I, you know, I guess the, you don't have creative control, so right? You see that with the the, the uh, manager, he's like, "No, nah, man, just do your regular shit, right? You go off the stage, yep. you know, whatever. And you want you went over your time, like all that stuff. So yep. I can definitely appreciate a lot of that. Yeah, I was gonna say, as an artist, you probably were like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to step out and do something different. Yeah, do something the same. Don't be doing. You want to do something different? Don't do something different." Um, and then just talking about he goes back to the store the next day and like I guess a Red Fox a Red Fox record is on oh uh, yeah talking about that and one guy's laughing at it and, and Ray is like Rudy's like nah it's not funny he just he's just a double entendres <laughs> because it's just a way to get arrested by the police well here's what I wanted to know about so you know thing I got about Rudy, like, so I'm wondering how close to the actual person this was, right? Because throughout the movie, and it started in the record store, and, it's, and it continues throughout the movie, there are, like, these little things that you start to notice about him. One, he's very loyal. Two, he's, like, one of the nicest people you ever want to meet. Three, he's quite intelligent. He's very smart about things in ways that he think I think he doesn't know he's that smart. Mm-hmm. It's almost like I'm smart but I don't know I'm smart. 
but I'm going to say all these different things. I mean, because, well, you know. You see, well, you see that later on when um, I'm going to jump overhead just to, just to your point. It's like when he was sitting down with um, that Dimension Films. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's sitting there like uh, mentioning his company. Oh, Generation. Generation something. Studios. And then the guy's like, well, I thought it was comedy studios. Yeah. Home. Comedy who is a subsidiary of da, da, da. I mean, that's some business ass shit. That's some business ass shit. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be able to fuck you. Even when he shook the dude's hand and goes, We'll talk after the first state. Um, yeah. What are you talking about? I was like, What? <laughs> okay. I mean, it's great because, but it also, like, if you, this whole movie to me is about the, the first entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. That like th- that's what it rang to me as. Yeah, I mean that's like just words like entrepreneurial, industrious, like go getter. Yeah, like, just driven like yep. all of this stuff. Uh, ambitious, obviously. Yep. Like I, again, to your initial point, I I don't know if this is how he was, but to make a film, he, he had low budget, and do everything that they kind of went through, and get all these people to believe in him enough yeah. to 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 put their own money in it as well. Right. Yep. Mike Epps' his wardrobe. Um, the other guy, I forget his name, is the is the accountant. Right, right. And then just you know, yeah. Um, and that also goes to loyalty because he was using his friends. Now that's another thing. Like obviously, mm-hmm. I can identify. With, like, <laughs> I don't like the word using. But like, <laughs> uh, you know, I had a lot of friends help me out. Utilizing. Utilizing. Yes. Uh, but and, but that just that shit helps. That goes along. Yeah, I mean, so we go on from this, right? So, I mean, the the record store, from the record store and him trying to, um, and this guy comes in and starts spewing, like, in the 70s, this was really, like, all the time. Like, some dude would, like, the neighborhood dude who would come in either to the barber shop or to the local uh candy store or the local you know department store he would act a fool almost on on clock each week only thing is this dude actually had some stuff that was like hmm, you know I mean you had to be pretty smart to kind of re- recognize how people were responding to him in the record store mm-hmm. and then side go maybe I can use that yeah and I, I mean to what you just said it's like Store, yep. Barbershop. Yep. You kind of see that, like a congregation of all these guys. When uh, when Rudy goes to, to oh the alley, he's got, he's got, I got money and I got a bottle of hooch. And he, Which I thought was hilarious. Sits down and takes notes and records them, and and like they're all, but all of them are doing it. Yep. All these like four, four or five the homeless guys are doing the same yep. thing, like competing almost in a competition. It was great because yeah. it's like um, like I without meaning to he 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 kind of um. He that was kind of where I got the first feeling that this dude is really kind of like he's straight up a nice guy because he could have just went in there and and said well tried to trick them into telling him the, the same information you know what I mean like um, but he was like straight up trade you well, know that was that was another thing I was like uh, well I'm surprised there wasn't any like copyright or like legal issues with like, I said the same thing like because like. I don't know if these homeless guys would hear the 
the, the records and stuff. But like, if they did, they'd be like, yo, that's Whoa, my shit. that's me. That's my but, stuff. But he but. did give them money and hooch. So did he technically buy the rights to it? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how they did it in Hollywood back then. Liquor, liquor, and dollar bills. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, that could be kind of halfway put on the, the WTF list of sorts. But I kind of, I kind of let that go because, yeah, like you said, to me, it was still kind of him. It was he still gave value for you know for for trade, you know. So, um, and then like right after that, um, again, you see the creative. Process. Right. He goes home. He's playing the, the recordings back and, right. and just kind of creating that character and like putting his own spin on it and, and, and of course editing stuff. So he's like, "Oh, this needs a punchline." So, as a comedian, I can appreciate that process. I mean, because um, I mean that's essentially what you do all the time. You're like walking around the city or at your work and whatever, and then you're taking stuff and going, "Hmm, that's funny." But I can, you know, I mean, if I tweak this and do that, you know, so. Um, like is, I won't. I'm. I have a what? What the fuck about this? But we'll get into that later. Yeah, I mean, I, and I have a few com, uh, comedian friends that like. As I was watching that and that process, I was. Oh yeah, like, like <laughs> you, I can see how it's in your house because you have to, right? You have. Yeah. To, it's something even as a musician you have to do, which I don't do, which is like just be at home and like work on your stage presence. Yeah. But I can see like him doing that. He does it later on in the movie too, and just like. Way down in the jungle deep, like you know, putting the voice on and getting the character, and then working on and, and mm. working on your timing. So, like, I don't know if you know uh, Monica, my friend Mo Vita. She's, mm-hmm. she's over in um, uh, Colorado now, but she comes back, and mm-hmm. that hopefully we'll have her on the show. I'd be cool. Kevin Guti, we talked about. Yep. Uh, hopefully, have him on the show. Yep. I was thinking about that as I was watching it. Yeah, this was definitely. Um, I think um, this is kind of one of those movies that. There are several different walks of life that will appreciate this. The entrepreneur will appreciate this. The, the the filmmaker, which we'll get into, will appreciate this. The the comedian, the musician. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff going on here. So, and he, he considers himself like a jack of all trades too. So he's singing, he's sort of acting in comedy, um, and he does mention. Um, Sammy Davis Jr. Mm-hmm. and it's also interesting to to, to several um, you know famous black artists that he that they mentioned throughout the film. Right, obviously Red Fox so when he's kind of shitting on him. Sammy yeah, Davis Jr. Bill Cosby. Yeah, I have a dot dot dot. dot <laughs> right but you have to admit, like he was big. No, he was huge. He was um, huge. Yeah, and he also like Billy D. Williams. Billy D. And of course, they mentioned Shaft, so like Richard Roundtree. So. You know, they, yep. do, they do like pay homage. Free Fred Williamson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Black Caesar. Black Caesar, man. Black Caesar. Ugh. I, I, ugh. Mm. How come nobody's remaking Black Caesar? So, next scene <laughs> in the film. <laughs> um, anyway, so again, I told you this theme of like grinding. Yep. Um, like kept on coming up to me and like the house party to record the first yeah. uh, comedy album. Which I thought was brilliant. Brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. I'm so. I was gonna say, right? You're like, hmm. Just like have a party and just record it. Yeah, record it. Like, yeah. That's kind of dope. So to do list. Um, and then he's like pushing out 
trying to push the, the album out to the labels if it gets too dirty and they right. like they say no he's like but he goes on the street and just sells them on the street like grinding 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 man like and he's doing gigs yeah and then he goes on a little tour like he would show like mississippi or yep. by the way where does he live <laughs> what town are we supposed to yeah live? that's a good question i have no idea um yeah he's and, and again another thing i identify with is like he has a gig and he sees his name on the billboard mm. and i'm like i remember the first time you saw, I saw that it's got to be a big thing, right? Yeah, even on, on websites now. Obviously, you see your, like, Chris Yeah, Saunders, you're like, uh, yeah, it's me. Chris Saunders, November 16th at the Bitter End. <laughs> <laughs> Badass. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and then the album makes the Billboard charts. Yeah. Like, this is all, like, again, well, we've talked about this with, like, West Side. So it's, like, American Dream type stuff. Right. The American Dream. So he's, like, and even if it happened late. Yeah. It, it happened. It happened. Um, which also reminded me of, I don't know if you know, uh, Charles... Um, oh, what's his name? A musician that got his first record deal at the age of sixty. Who the hell is Charles that? Charles Bradley. Charles Bradley. Charles Bradley, and he unfortunately passed away. I think last year. So, but he, he hey, made it. he got it. And I have some stuff on my phone. Like he's got some good stuff. Really? He's got some, it's very. Um, there's definitely like a brown. He got a little brown in there, and there's a. And the sound, I don't know if he, he danced in his mm. live shows. I definitely wanted to go see him. I, he was in New York. What kind of music? It's, it's soul funk, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's James Brown. Um, Good for him. A, a little more, not, not as not as like up-tempo and funky. Okay. A little more smooth. Okay. But yeah, so that reminded me. Hmm. Uh, like a late bloomer. It makes me think there's always hope for me. Um, and, he, and, and he did all of this with... Um, I mean, you saw him. He wasn't like, because he wasn't the Hollywood dude, right? He was just this dude. He was like, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just this dude. Yeah, he wasn't. Um, what's the guy's name? He was also a crazy, funny ass name too. Um, he wasn't uh, the the guy they picked up the Durville. Oh, Durville. Star and, uh, and direct. He wasn't that guy. Yeah, but Durville was just. So Durville, if everybody doesn't know, that was a Wesley Snipes' character, and we're all used to Wesley Snipes in action, right? Pretty much action. I mean, that's right. Blade. Or threatening somebody, one right. of the two. Uh, and he is not that in this movie. And he was uh, really funny. And also, after watching, so again, we're talking about two characters, right? Yep. We're talking about what he plays in the Dolomite film, right. and in Durville, his right. actual character, his actual, the actual person, and like so right. watching the, the old one. I think he did a great job as the bad guy in the Dolomite film. I, I, I thought he just did a good job mimicking the bad guy. Yeah, um, but and again, we don't know if this is the real person's like character and personality. But I, whatever he did, whatever he, if he made it up, it was awesome. I hope it was because if I'm the real dude, I'm like sitting and it's not me. I'm sitting there going, "What the fuck, dude?" He looked like a damn fucking... jacket. <laughs> but he was. He was so funny. And the funniest part was the last scene when after they kill him, he's like, we done? Well, and he just, like, he's dead. When he cuts out, he's like, cut. Cut. Is that what happens when you really direct yourself? Yeah. I hope not. I was an assistant director or something. Cut. <laughs> and then just gets up and leaves. I will, I will see you at the premiere. You know what? There's not going to be a premiere. It's not going to be a premiere. Let's face it. So that was, uh, and you didn't see him at the premiere. 
which you know okay i mean yeah that was yeah wesley dude much props dude come back when you know i'm looking forward to other stuff that he's doing now He's supposed to be. Someone said maybe Whistler. Also, I guess we should talk about um, a few situations where we're, you know, we are talking about black film, right? Black right, art, right. They do touch on that when they go to see the movie Front Page. Oh. Um, he's, they, but they're all talking about going to see a movie, and he's like, oh, let's go see Front Page. Right, good is, right. Like, they don't find it funny at all. So talking <laughs> about white versus black comedy and culture. That's where he comes up with the idea to make a film that's more representative of black people. Um, and then when they do make the film, it goes to a company called American International, a film company called American International. Yeah. Like, well, you know, well, first of all, we, we, we only hired certain types of brothers. I think that was more, I think that was less uh, talking about like, you know, white black people. Yeah. Than, um, cause you call them dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that being said, I think we can kind of infer that as well. Cornbread and me. I saw that movie. First person in his family get education, and I'm just like, yeah, like, no, like as bad as Dolomite is, right? It's just much better than yeah, like that, right? Yeah, like or Green Book. I don't even know. I haven't seen Green Book, but I heard a lot of complaints about like Uh, the character in this film about a black dude is the white driver. I did see it and was yeah. Well, that's a whole other conversation. But I mean, how's how's the soundtrack? Actually. Yeah, actually, it's, 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 okay. Yeah, we'll talk about yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, so black art and for black people by black people, right? Obviously, is a very big thing, here. right? There's um, and we'll there's a movie that this movie actually kind of reminds me of, um, um, the Escape Artist. Have you seen this? Oh, uh, you have to see it with um. James Franco and it's basically the same thing except like an updated version of this white dude who he except this dude is an idiot right no I remember that it's very good yeah but it's based on a guy that made his own movie yeah exactly it's really it's yeah his movie like Dolomite should win an Academy Award versus compared to this so yeah so um so I figure I talked about using the friends. Yep. Different comparisons. That's another client in the kingdom that I saw there. Like finding um, the screenwriter, you know, going out to a, a playhouse and finding the screenwriter played by um, Keegan. He was funny in it. Um, who, the character, like obviously you said he was perfectly cast, but like the character actually reminds me of, um, you remember the five heartbeats? Yep. Yep. 
uh, we've talked about doing one together. Yep. Just a collaboration. Yep. Um, between uh, Rudy and uh, the writer. Yep. And like the collaboration where it's like Rudy's going for more like sensationalism. He's like, yeah, we need some kung fu. We need right. explosions. And we, need, like, <laughs> we need an exorcism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need pips and hoes. And, and he's like, well, you know, write what you know. He's saying about more realism and something that speaks socially, yeah, yeah, yeah. like about him, you know, to the black culture, so, right? Um, and then they kind of, I guess, they sort of find a middle ground there, but very <laughs> strange very middle ground, but yeah, um, but yeah, so that, that, that process as well, I <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it was, um, just the the whole their their little session of you know, brainstorming writing the script together was so um it was perfect because it really perfectly described who rudy was which was kind of like this yeah we gotta we gotta go big and this dude who's from like the because both from arkansas one dude is you know classically trained the other dude is not trained trained at all all, (laughs) you know and um, just the fact that they were able to kind of find a middle, like, the, it kind of spoke to a little bit of what was going on in the theaters anyway with black films, because there was a kind of like a um, clash between the black exploitation films and that film that was supposed to be trying to speak to a more educated black audience of sorts but that audience wasn't for black people even though they tried to say it was it was really about trying to be, meet that that mainstream audience yeah. what was, what was, so first of all the um the record label he works with where are those guys from are they like armenian or something i don't know i was i was like what yeah, they was weird but um when they first hear his the album that Rudy releases himself they right. say um Oh, they refer to the people that are listening to the album as black uh, uh, hipsters. Yeah, black hip. Was that a thing back in the seventies? Black hipsters or hipsters in general? Hipsters were hippies were hippies. I don't know hippies, I but don't hipsters. Know. I don't remember hearing hips, hipsters until like two thousand ten or something. Yeah. I don't know what's going on there. So hmm. maybe they're trying to connect with today's. Yeah, they're audience. yeah yeah maybe. They didn't want to. They didn't want to alienate the hippies of today. There's, they're all in Brooklyn. That's okay. Yeah, so we've kind of gone through a lot of the film here. I want to take a little break for the music because you mentioned let's get it on. Oh, before we go, move on. Mm-hmm. I hope you, you caught this. I hope, right? Which one? The so so the theater the the theater where he does the four walling at. Mm-hmm. Did you catch what was playing on the theater on marquee? Playing or just it was there? It was. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> he didn't say nothing. Come on, I saw that. I was like, oh lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So for, for those of you who don't know, the harder they come is a, a Jamaican produced film from the seventies, starring Jimmy Cliff, who also did most of the, or say half of the soundtrack. Uh, it's like a Scarface, a Jamaican Scarface. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. I do need the subtitles to understand everything. And it's always playing on um, few. Is it few? Not fuse. Um, I forget. Access. Uh, I forget. Yeah, it's like but, um, yeah. This. I mean, 
the film is like very low budget, obviously. Yep. Um, but the soundtrack is we have to do this movie. That's I was gonna say that's that's got to be done. That's on, that's on, that's on the list. Oh, uh, right. like, I mean, I love Jimmy Cliff. Uh, I love a lot of the other songs on the album. So, but that would be done. I, I, I didn't know this. Don't try and play me, Um But unfortunately, none of his songs were in this film. Mm. Um, but we have stuff like "Thank You," "Sly and the Family Stone." Um, what I also liked about this was, I mean, we kind of have to talk about uh, composition as well as original music. Yeah, because there's a lot of original all, stuff. Like, existing music, all, mix up all of this stuff, right? So the song called "Like I Should" by Craig Robinson. Carver. That's just like mm. he's talking about like chitlins and corned beef in the song. I have no idea what I can't. I have no idea what he's talking about. Chitlins. Ah. It sounded good. It sounded good. Um, and that's so I think the composer was Scott Bomar. Yeah, I think so. So um, while they're pushing the album in the, the first album, the streets and stuff, uh, mm. there's, a song, there's a song called "Sell It" playing. Um, a, a lot of the stuff is very Shaft, and I think that's intentional. Yeah, very much so. Um, so, and then like "Ballad of a Boy and Girl." That's oh like, yeah, we and Queen B sing together. It sounded very like I sung, you sung, we both yeah. sung together. Right, like, they did this like twang in their voice and shit. Like, yeah. Um, of course, Rudy's uh, original shit like ring a ring a ring a long dong. <laughs> <laughs> that Snoop play when he finally makes it big. Snoop plays it in the, in the record store instead of his uh, comedy album. That was funny. Yeah. Um, you got funky stuff, cool in the gang. During the, they play during the uh, the barbecue scene when they're playing the movie. Mm. Yeah, it's background. So there's a lot of background music, obviously, which <laughs> obviously sets the theme and the time. But it, it was really done really well. I mean, it just really set the the tone for the that that era. You know what I mean? So, so uh, yeah. Oh, of course, Dolomite. Do, yeah. Dolomite. I forgot how, Dolomite. actually how good that song was. It's good, man. Like it's, I, I don't know what to say. Cause again, I watched the original movie, and it's like it is not good. No. Um, and I guess I'll tell you. Obviously, terrible acting. Terrible editing, terrible lighting. Like, everything just terrible. Um, I would actually say that the writing was good at points, but, like, because of the acting and the delivery, terrible. Yeah. This is the current word here. It's totally the film that you, you show in film school for what not to do, especially when it comes to the fight scenes and the stunts. Although, here's the one thing about that. The choreographed fight scenes between the women, um, and they act, those were actually kind of yeah. dope. Yeah. I was like, why didn't they do a spinoff of that and just do like five girls who just like, like yeah, that shit would have been dope. I don't. I watched that. I was like, I want to see more of that. Um, yeah. Oh snap! Um, so in actual Dolomite film, he hmm. actually does his Dolomite routine. Oh, he, it, it, oh, it's right. Yeah. Does it way down in the jungle, jungle deep. Way down in the jungle deep. So he actually does it like a couple times at the end at, at the um, at the club. Mm. Um, but there's one part where he's out in the street doing front of a bunch of guys and they're like, come on, man, come on, let's do it for it. And he goes, he's doing this, he goes through the whole thing, he just goes, bitch. <laughs> they remind me of Peter and Peel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, and the two dudes are like. <laughs> I said, I said, I said, look around their shoulders. Bitch. And he did that in Dolomite. I was like, yo. 
I wonder if that was a like a shout out. Yo, you need to get because that's dope. You need to get Keegan or uh, Jordan up on the show then, um, um, okay. And then now I'm, I'm I'm doing a lot. I'm gonna get through like the actual yeah, yeah, yeah. because there's a bunch of stuff in there. Like there's a song called "Time on Our Side" oh. in, in the Dolomite film from from '75. It was dope. Um, and I couldn't find it anywhere. But yeah, I couldn't find it either. Uh, and then there's a this is a, a singer that comes on after that band. I couldn't even listen to the song. I couldn't even hear the song because I was watching it and lip <laughs> the sound of her oh. completely off. Out of sync, so uh, that was just a little. That's like a what the fuck moment for Dolomite. I'm sure there's a lot more. Than there's that. a few, but the whole movie's one big what the fuck moment, pretty so much. That's why we're co-hosts because, <clears throat> as you can see in my notes, what the fuck moment section, I have <laughs> question mark. So, yeah, I mean the whole the, page, the original movie, not in, not yeah. this movie, but the original movie. Well, yeah, it is true. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. There, <clears throat> I mean, there was also a what the fuck in the sense of there are a couple people I wish could have been in this movie that should have. I thought. I mean, if they obviously can't put everybody in it, but Arsenio should have been in this. Arsenio as who? Anybody. He could have been in. He could have been. He could have put, played the Wesley Snipes role. Although it would have been hard because yeah. Wesley was badass. Right, that's the thing. Is like because you don't expect Wesley in that. Right, role, like, that's why that's it why works like so much better. Yeah. Better, so. Um, see, I had so we have our quote section too. And I have a bunch of them, but this one I, I put separated. Right. Um, <clears throat> you remember when they uh, they start making the film and Queen B is talking to this white actor. Oh Lord Jesus! Yes. And this is I a what the fuck moment too. And yeah. That was a great quote. But yeah. Like, he's like, she's asking him like, oh yeah, so what have you been? Doing? What do you do? He's like, yeah, I was I was a, a racist cop and I, I I was a lyncher and I, I was a rapist and she's just like she goes okay so you basically just figured out what you're good at <laughs> and he's just like yeah he's like okay. yeah I'm sure. so way, way to own it bro um, that's true. I guess that's a segue into the quotes. Yep. Um, I'll say this as, I mean, a lot, clearly a lot of this was funny, but I, I think this was like the impetus of the film. Oh, I know. And, which one. and why Rudy kind of starts in this direction. It's right. Like right in the beginning when he's talking to Snoop. Right. And Snoop, uh, he's trying to pitch his albums and he's just like, nah, I play hits, man. And, and Snoop goes, sometimes our dreams just don't come true. Yep. And Rudy says they still can. And uh, Snoop is like, nah, man, we missed our shots. And I think like, and you need to get back to work. The jumping off point, like from there, like, he just starts. Absolutely, I, that really is the it's the skeleton of the whole movie, mm-hmm. pretty much. So, um, and I think also when his friends are making fun of him, they have the diner, you know, putting them down. They're just kidding. But yeah, he takes it personally. He fucking walks out, and then he's talking to the Mike Epps character. Yeah, yeah. I ain't got nothing echoes, that nobody wants. That echoes that sentiment of like our dreams. We missed our dreams. So um, I think besides mm. that, and maybe one other point in the movie, like he is all positivity. And I think back to yep. all as well. It was huge in yep. this film, um, how positive he is. And, um, oh, and that's why it's a feel-good movie. <clears throat> this is a feel-good movie. Yeah, absolutely. You, I think you feel like 
you want him to succeed in this movie from 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 after that scene with with Snoop Dogg, I think, you know, so Yep. The reviews for the film were bad, and he was just like he was positive for him and his, <clears throat> his crew. Yeah, um, there was a lot of that this this up and down moments where we're like, oh, this is is the this is where it go. Oh, hey, hey, yeah. Oh, this is it. It was very up and very roller coastery. Yeah. Um, so I, I just I, I I appreciated that. Hmm. Uh, Yeah, I was going to talk about that. That to me, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, um, that was cool because I don't think you don't ever ever really hear about that process um, today because of the digital space. So to hear about to really for them to kind of pull back the the veil and say this is what all his challenges were trying to get that film made, and the fact that. He was kind of, he literally was being an entrepreneur, a filmmaker, a, a guerrilla filmmaker, all these different things. And for Wallen, like most filmmakers who watch that film are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I totally understand that shit. Right, and like while figuring everything out as he went, essentially. Yeah. Because he's saying he's smart. And he, it, according to this film, like he did figure out a lot of this shit out. Like you see, you see a hiccup when he runs out of money. Yep. They run out of film. Yep. And he doesn't have money to pay for it. Yep. Yeah, all this like, post uh, marketing, all this editing, all that. So, um, and he's just like he believes in it so much that he makes them believe. I think you brought that up like, in the in the in the um, scene where he meets the UCLA guys, right? He said, basically said, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, uh, we don't know that all those those fancy words like uh, cameras and <laughs> and I was like. You don't know the word cameras. <laughs> All right, lighting. That seems more of a, an Eddie Murphy line than a Rudy line. Yeah, we don't know lighting and like, cameras. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you could. Yeah, there's that. You could have put a couple of different characters in that room right there. So, um, I, I will put this as another quote slash what the fuck moment. Mm. <laughs> like he's being playful, but like when he's with his aunt, he's uh. trying to get money out of her. And she's like, no, it's my money. And he, and he eventually just goes, puts her in a headlock and puts a knife to her. Like, give, give me that money. money. Give me that money. I'm like, whoa. And she's like, oh. And she clearly got up. Yeah. <laughs> she's just like, oh, this motherfucker. <laughs> um, this is not really a quote, but sort of. Uh, the name of the first album, do you remember it? Uh, oh, uh, was it um, Eat More? Eat Out More. Often. Eat Out More Often. <laughs> He just, you know, he was just, yeah. I mean, he, he, was grimy, he knew what what worked. Sex sell, sold back then, so he was like, "Let's just do it and get it out of the way." Oh, oh man! So there was too many, like obviously quotes to write down everything because we have a stand-up, yeah. stand-up routine too. But like one of the jokes he put, he does on stage is a. The man was so dumb that he turned down a blowjob because he thought they stopped giving his unemployment check. 
<laughs> That's just wrong. I loved um, the scene where Wesley Snipes <clears throat> is trying to explain to them that the scene doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to explain why they wrote it this way. And he just walks over and goes, Jibba? Jabba. Jabba. <laughs> That's Jibba Jabba. Jibba Jabba. <laughs> that was just like, ugh. Uh-huh. Please, everybody, see this fucking movie. This you have to see. There's a yeah. performances in here, man. Bitch, are you for real? <laughs> <laughs> and then they showed a replay from and the real exactly movie the at the end of the credits. Oh, it was perfect. Bitch, are you for real? <laughs> that was the... that I wanted to get that on my ringtone. Uh, I mean, you can't have that shit on at work, bro. No, it doesn't matter. Um, oh, Wesley, uh, in the scene where he's talking about... Is that is that the DP? Is that, he's like, how old is he? He's like... You got to get somebody who knows how to light black people. Black people absorb light. White people reflect it. It's a cinematical reality. Yep. <laughs> I was like, what? That's all, yep, that's a all cinematical know. reality. Yeah. There's so many. There's just so many good things about this movie. Like to just sit there. I could like I saw I, I saw it the first time last Saturday. Mm-hmm. I saw it again last night. And it felt like I had never seen it again. It was just because there's just so many things you can start kind of taking out of it. And there's just so many good lines, man. Yeah. Whoever the shout outs to the writer, man. Mm-hmm. I have to, they, they great. They did a great job. Um, I mean, yeah, great quotes, great scenes. Like, I mean, Rudy's first set with his new material mm. early on. Um, the, 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 when he sees the bar manager get decked by his wife. Oh yeah, Queen B. Like you don't even need to hear any. You didn't need any uh, words. Nope. Right? Because it's, he's far off. Yep. Not hearing him say anything. He's but just like you see, like the body motions and whatever, and like gesticulations. Like that was all she knocks him the fuck out. <laughs> and he like staggers. And his he sold it very well. Too. Very well. Um, uh, she like, was great in this film, by the way. Yeah. She's. Towards the end, but um, also Rudy's excitement at the dramatic scene when they shoot the movie and the the, the, the Jordan is telling him like it, it's a it's a rough game and the stakes are your life and they just pause. <laughs> He's just. And that I was, was like, yeah, that was amazing. You see this guy's like, and Wesley's life is just like, cut. <laughs> yeah, cut. Everybody, cut. <laughs> We can't even see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, we, when we can see the movie. You're still filming it, bro. Um, and then, like, to, to the Queen Bee in this movie, uh, at the end, she thanks. That was a Rudy. great moment. I, I ain't never seen anybody, nobody that looks like me there on that big screen. Um, you, you know, you get that. You have this whole comedy thing, uh, aspect of the movie, but then you have this, like, serious, dramatic part. And I think that also speaks to mm. um, not just Right, but also like someone like her, right? She's this bigger lady, right? Um, which of course you see on the screen all the time in right. films, TVs, and you're these like skinny, whatever. So like this is, and that's 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 one scene I think ages very well because that same thing is still happening today on whether it's on TV or a film. 
those women of larger size are still like they're just now getting represented. And that's terrible, but it still ages well in the sense of how they kind of tell that story. So, And then the real woman that uh, played in the original movie, like, probably wasn't as heavy set. Right. She was, like, older looking. She was older looking. And, and back then, like, if you weren't a pencil, mm-hmm. that was considered heavy set. On so. top of that, which is kind of a juxtaposition. It's like every other woman in this film, like, is this, like, busty. Yeah. They look like they came out of Shaft from Africa, like this, like you know, because if you see like those black exploitation films, there are always these guys, you know, posing, and they have all these women, these big chests draped all over them and stuff. So, you know, it fits that they would also have to kind of meet that challenge of putting those figures on the screen. But he, he, like, I mean, again, Rudy doesn't get enough credit for what he did, which was to kind of break stereotypes of all types during the filming of this film. He had white actors, black actors. He had white production crew. He had black production crew. He had women, big women, thin women. white. He just didn't care. And I think it was that not him just wanting that to make the film. He didn't, he, he didn't have like this thing where he was like, I can only, it can only be this. He just wanted it to be good. And that was all his care about, you know. And I also think um, it speaks to, I don't know if it's intentional, but like how much harder a black person would have to work. Oh, absolutely. At, at the time. And like, uh, absolutely. Well, even now. Even now. <laughs> <coughs> um, to, Tyler to, Perry. To get something done. Yeah. Something done. Yeah. This is just one example of like film and music. And we're talking about entertainment like, and the rest of the <coughs> Well, there are two things going on in Hollywood right now which are specifically related to the situation. The first one is the fact that Tyler Perry's studio, who he is the only black person currently that has his own major film studio, and there's a lot, he's having hard times getting funding for a lot of his projects because of that. And then Byron Allen, who can't seem to get... um, his uh, television licenses for television projects that he has, and he's got billions of dollars of projects. So there's a lot of, like if we went on some tangent and stuff, I could sit here and have this whole conversation about how this movie is as bad as Dolomite was. It represents, it does, it has a lot of, it's very complex. Like you could use this movie in in theater school, uh, film school right now to talk about film process and film business. Because he did, he did some stuff there. Like it must have been much harder for him then. Because one, there was less money. Two, most of the studio. I mean, you see that um, scene when he's sleeping, and the phone's ringing. He runs downstairs, and then, you know they reject his film, and then he has his pad full of all the major studios. There was only ten studios on that list. There are far more studios than there are now. There are only ten studios then, which means for him to get the mention interested in his film it was like trying to shoot a quarter from 500 yards away with your eyes closed and only having one bullet so I you know this was a funny movie but I I I think really this was a very important movie too hopefully filmmakers 
and musicians and comedians and entrepreneurs take this and use this for motivation outside of the fact that we're going to steal the idea for the house parties. But, you know. I mean, yeah. I think I watched it the first time, you know, just trying to enjoy it. Right. Um, and the second time I was just trying to um, yeah, right. break it down, yeah, I mean, take my notes. Um, right. But, yeah, definitely inspirational creatively. Right. Um, and I say creatively, like, that's, that's loose. Because <laughs> you're saying, because you're saying, like, um, on the business side. I think so, we like, need to do your music video like this. <laughs> um, but like, but yeah, but the grind, the business side of it, and the creative side of it, um, and just having that drive. Another quote was like, I'm going to bet on myself, nobody going to yep. be on the big screen but me. Yep. You know, you have to have that mentality. And, and you're saying it's hard then. I mean, it's also hard, but for different reasons now with like the internet. Yep. Everyone can. Everybody. Music, release music, post. So it's a little bit more congested now. Mm-hmm. So, um, I wonder if he was the first dude to actually sell out of the back of his car. I don't know, like because maybe, maybe records, but they probably sold other shit out the back of their yeah, car. Yeah, because I, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, I do want to like shout out some more songs on here again. Mm. Scott Bomar uh, was the, like the composer on this. Mm. <laughs> The sex scene had something called "Put your weight on it." Oh, put your weight on which, it, yeah. Which Rudy says, "Like put your weight on it." Put girl. your weight on it, girl. Um, which, like, again, very Shaft-like. Um, <laughs> when he's promoting his music, uh, his movie through Dimension, there's a song playing. That's a Rudy Ray Moore song called "Mayor's Getaway." <laughs> again, not all these songs are great, but I did want to shout them out. Right. Um, but one cool one that they threw in there was when the Dunbar they stealing power from next door. Oh yeah. Louis Armstrong, La Vie en Rose. Yep. Plays. Which oh is cool. yeah. I think it's not the same era. Right. Um, as a lot of the other music, but because the Dunbar is like this old hotel, it makes sense. So right. I think they did a really good job with the song, the music supervision on this. <laughs> and um, for those of you who are paying attention. That movie, that's the song that Lady Gaga does in A Star is Born. That was correct, sir. Yes, sir. I can't remember what other movie, like old-ass movie this is. Oh, it's been in a few. It was in another movie with like um, with Warren Beatty and um, what's what's her, what's her face? I forget. Back in the 70s, so. Anyway, yeah, so that's a earlier famous. Thank You for Letting Me Be Myself was in also... So there's also a bunch of songs that I just missed that are on the Tune Find. So again, Tune Find, thank you for your hard work. Yes. Because uh, they, they have a site and they put a bunch of soundtracks on there, often putting what scene it was in. Because mm. this movie was a fresh movie. Right. Um, man. Well, I don't know what Signifying Monkey is by Eddie Murphy. Oh, Signifying Monkey. I wonder if that's... I wonder if they just credit that because of the is a word is a spoken word album maybe which I didn't know was an actual um, classical literary thing that's a classical literary poem I, I did not know this until I was looking up the the signifying monkey and it tells you the history of it I was like what 
man, Bessie Smith, nobody knows knows you when you're nobody knows when you're down and out. Um, um, which I don't know if uh, Eric Clapton remade that song, but he had a song with a similar title that really was dope. Oh, um, hmm. Slippery When Wet, The Commodores. I don't remember hearing that. I don't remember hearing that either. A button up your overcoat, Susan Sarandon. What? What? Wait, wait. <laughs> Susan Sarandon. Yeah. Hip Hugger, Booker T, and the MGs. Oh, Booker These T. Are the ones that I didn't hear. I heard a lot of other ones. Maybe it was playing in a record it, store? It's, it's got to be in the background somewhere. I tell you, did you, like, so that's, I mean, we they weren't playing, but um, in the record store, he, he's walking around. Mm-hmm. There are some classic albums up on the out. On, on, I was just like, whoa. I did not pay enough attention to that. I was like, okay, all right. Rocky Bottom? No. By Jason Freeman. No. So that's on this list too. So anyway, so there was a bunch of stuff that uh, I just wanted to shout out these songs because I completely missed it. Mm. Um, but yeah, man, that's what. What do we do? We have to do our questions. <laughs> we. I was thinking about those last night. Yeah, we got to do the questions. All right. So number one, <coughs> can Tom Hanks be in this film, and would he enhance the film? I think he could. The only way I could see him doing it is either if he's in as one of the Dimension guys or as one of the Bahari brothers. You think he could do it? Like do the same accent he did in uh, The Terminal? Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. You know, I could see him do it. Um, yeah, I, I, I would agree. I would say Dimension films probably yeah. would work out. Um, but it, would be a, it literally would be a stretch. And I don't think he would have, this is the rare time I don't think he would have made it better. I think I think the guy who played that role just it was, it was fit. He wasn't in that much, so it's kind of hard to make a judgment call here. But it was good. Yeah, it was good. I think I don't know. Tom Hanks could have been. Yeah, no, he could have been in. Um, Eric Clapton's "Tears in Heaven" could this be on the soundtrack? Um. Yeah, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe in the scene. When um, his friends are talking, like are making fun of him, and he walks out of the diner, mm-hmm. and it could be playing slow as he's walking out of the diner, and as the as the background song. That's also a stretch. It's a stretch. That's also a stretch. I mean, there's it, 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 not a lot of really sad moments in this movie. No, and like La Vie en Rose is one of the slower songs. Yeah, so that's not really a sad song. So I mean. So, could play it in the background at one of the rec- record red- radio stations, maybe. He's playing hits, man. Exactly. Yeah, it's, not, it's not a 70s hit. It's not a <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, Eric. I, don't th- I think this one you're going to be left out on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Eric. I'm so sorry. Um, okay, so what do we... Out of 10, what you got? Um... Wow. Um, I gotta, I gotta give this like a nine. I would, I, I kind of want to give it a ten, mm-hmm. but I already gave. I think I gave Spider Verse a ten, and I'm like, no, you're not that good, but you're damn close. So, yeah. Uh, I am. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, at, I'm on nine as well. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I love the combination of the uh, composed music 
music supervi- music supervision and yep. the original music. I yep. love that. I thought it was great. Yep. Um, I was, <coughs> a lot of good acting. I like the way they portrayed everything, the writing. You know, when the writing and acting is supposed to be good, it's good. When right. They, when they're in the film, like making the film, clearly that's not good. But right. Every, like outside of that, they did a great job. So nine. Um, one, one more shout out real quick. The costuming for this movie yeah. was fucking amazing. I think it had to be. <laughs> I mean, it made me sad for what was happening in fashion as a black person back then, but the costuming was outstanding. If they don't get nominated for for Oscar um, for this movie for costuming, and I'm not sure who did the costuming. I hope it's Ruth Carter, but... Um, if whoever did it really just like from the makeup to the hair to the clothing all of that shit it was just an outstanding so as you can see there's a lot of stuff to look forward to in this film it's a lot watch it yep. check it out let us know what you think yep and what's up for you next uh I already, I already plugged myself <laughs> November 16th uh at the bitter end bitter end I will have my full band with me I will have my friend Devin on stage with me I will have my Party. I am still working to get my fiance up on stage with me. We'll Good luck with that, that one. And uh, my friend Amanda Cross will be playing right before me at eight o'clock. So a lot of awesome, a lot of stuff happening. She's an amazing artist, singer, songwriter from Oklahoma. Um, I think back to back, you can get a lot of music, a lot of bang for your buck. So hmm. that's going to be a good show, actually. It's always a good show with Bitter End. So yeah, uh, you know. Uh, I actually have two things. Finally, I have something to actually oh, shit. Com- contribute since I don't do anything. I'm usually home watching TV. Um, first is actually coming up on November 7th. Well, actually, next week's going to be kind of busy. Yeah, yeah, that's we have a few different podcasts going on. My other, my other podcast, Drop the Mic, has a big interview. Chris will be on the show. Um, we're going to be interviewing Speech Thomas. Um, for you who, who know hip hop, he is the legend leader of Arrested Development. They will be on the show on Drop the Mic. On we're interviewing him on the sixth. Probably the show will drop on the seventh. That same night, there's an advanced screening of his film Sixteen Bars, which is a documentary. Um, in New York, so if you are interested to in seeing this film, um, you should check it out. Um, you can go to to the hashtag I think uh, 16, 16 bars film I think it is on Instagram, or if you go up to Facebook, you can just uh, search sixteen bars, and the, the Facebook page will be up there. You can get tickets through there. The uh, film is the seventh. Through the 10th, I believe, the 7th um, one is at Maisel's Documentary Center in Harlem. Um, so we're doing that. I think I got we have we have another podcast next week that we're doing. On Tuesday, we're going to be trying to do When They See Us. Which I'm actually looking forward to seeing. It's our second Netflix and our first show. Yeah, we're not, we've never done a series, so this will be our first series. And the soundtrack looks... The, Crazy good. I mean, I'm a big Michael Kiyomika fan, so they've got love and hate in there. Yep. Dope song, dope album. Yep. So I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah, so we'll we'll be uh, <clears throat> interviewing Kayla Guess from Final Draft. So that'll be kind of cool. Have uh, somebody from Final Draft to kind of come on and share their thoughts on this uh, show. And uh, then I have one more thing going on on uh, the 18th. We're doing a. I'm doing a, our dig the dig this podcast network is hosting a event on storytellers, and that's going to be happening on the 18th. That should be a really good event. Um, we have some good speakers, uh, panelists. Panelists include um, Therese Plummer, actor and narrator, Vanessa King, producer and screenwriter, Helen Todd, who is the CEO and co-founder of Society um, Squared, and Natalia Yudin, who is a writer, director, editor, and producer at Stage 13 and Netflix. So, and she's done a bunch of really cool stuff. We're going to talk storytelling. So, if you're interested in finding out more about that, as always, you can go up to the Download Podcast Facebook page, or you can find us on Instagram at the Download Podcast. So, and, uh, again, thank you to Anchor. Anchor. For having us on their site and, you know. Yeah. And thank you to the infatuation. Yep. Who keeps, keeps on keeping on. Yes, sir. Um... Think we need to sign off oh. with the best quote here. Yeah, Dolomite, Dolomite is, is my name, name and fucking up, motherfuckers, is my game. I'm Darren. I'm Chris, and this was the, the download. download.